You're listening to the Irish Times. And there was me, Pat, thinking that the GA season over, we'd have nothing to watch on the weekends, nothing to keep any sort of eye on. But it turns out, on the Out of Time podcast on a Monday morning, we have a heap to talk about this morning. Yes. Almost too much to us. Way too much, yes. Bucket loads. Bucket loads. Indeed, Mary Hannigan is here with us. That's how many, that's how much we have to talk about because we brought her in. (laughs) Well, actually, we have her in to talk about the women's football final, which we will get to in time. But we thought it was just so delicious, Mary, that good old Shane Ross gave us uh, just something to enjoy. He certainly did. He never lets us down. (laughs) Tell us, Pat. Shane Ross, and or more accurately, I suppose, his department sent out their congratulations to Sunita Pushpore yesterday because after she won gold on Sunday in the single skulls at the World Championships mm-hmm. and they, they basically, we can be quite certain that they googled her name and looked at the first article that came up which if you did that on Sunday actually was the RT headline which said about dominant Pushpore <laughs> wins gold and so forth. So with their press release said Today we saw a performance of great tenacity and assurance as dominant Pushpore dominated her rivals in a brilliant single. I mean, apart time. from anything, sorry. Yeah. Apart from anything, mm. that's just bad writing. It's bad writing. Like if they think her name is dominant, then use a different letter, a yeah. different adjective, exactly, or a different verb than dominate. Yeah. Destroyed her opponent. Yeah. It was a touch rushed, I think. Do you reckon? Yeah, Sunday afternoon. Why are you rushing out of press release? <laughs> sorry, Pat. I interrupted. And well, that that was the the most important part of it really I have some thoughts on this go on my first thought is it is a surprise to nobody that Shane Ross knows nothing and cares less about the exploits of our great rowers and indeed scholars Uh, what is a little more worrying is that he clearly has a staff in the department of sport (laughs) who know nothing and care less about this sort of stuff because this is not the first time, Pat. No, this is not the first time. There's a track record. <laughs> this is not the first time that he or whoever does his lackey work has made su- uh, uh, such a balls of this. Yeah, if an athlete had a track record like this, they'd be <laughs> impressed. Uh, he posed for a picture with Rob Kearney and called yes. him Dave Kearney. Yeah. He called Thomas Barr hours after he had won a medal. I, or No, after he finished fourth at the Olympics. Thomas Barry. There you go. And... Um, now this is, I think, is my favourite after Katie Taylor got knocked out. Yeah. Of, I think it was the last Olympics. He tweeted, go, Katie, go. Mm. Hours after she'd been beaten. Yeah. yeah. Like, these things really do add up. Maybe they do. he's just talking about going to the airport or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to defend Shane here. Why would you do that? I don't know, actually. Did my he defend Sens? Did there. he congratulate Thrilled O'Donovan and his brother Hilarious <laughs> on, on, on their, you know? Exploits as well. Like, <laughs> like, to a certain extent, none of this matters, but it matters. Like, we, it's not like we have thousands upon thousands of world class athletes. We have like a sprinkling forty. Now we have more than we used to have. I know. I know. It's maybe tough to keep track, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not hard to remember or indeed Google forty people's names. No, and that is the thing because I, I know it's kind of funny. But it is deeply worrying on that level that whoever put this press release together, we assume it wasn't Shane Ross, but there weren't even enough of a fan, say, to watch the 6-1 News sports section at some point over the weekend and think, hmm, this girl, Sunita, looks like she could be in the run for something here. That never happened. No. Her name only registered once she'd won a gold medal. And Shane Ross has a 
a outstanding record yeah. of catching up with any bandwagon yeah. disappearing off in the distance. Yeah. Like he did with the hockey girls yeah, uh, after yeah. they came back from yeah. the World Cup and he embarrassed himself by offering them funding <laughs> who knows how much. He made them cry. He made them cry he made with them cry with nothing. Weep, weep salt tears for what they had done for it's Irish like, hockey. Yeah, giving a kid a lovely prezi and then taking it back again yeah. like yeah. 10 minutes later. It was a bit Do you know like what? You're, you're 100% right, Pat. True or false? That press release would have been improved a million times if the person drafting it was a normal 15-year-old boy who's into sport. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> it would have just, have, at some point, I've sat down and say on Saturday evening and watched the 6-1 news and gone, God, the O'Donovan brothers are deadly. Oh, look at that, Liverpool. They show the goals from Liverpool. I'll yeah. watch that. Oh, this girl, Sanita's into the final. Yeah. Wow, I might watch that tomorrow morning. It might be important. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that absolutely didn't. And to make it worse, and I know the person who put together the press release again probably isn't writing policy, but didn't even have the people I hate most on Twitter are the people who read the headline and then go, oh, get lost. And they don't realise that the headline was sarcasm or yes. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this person couldn't even be bothered getting past the headline <laughs> and what they pasted into the message. Like it just shows the depth of interest that they couldn't even be arsed getting the person's name right. I just wonder, though, will this now be a trend? Like I want to see the top names baby list now. <laughs> <laughs> dominant O'Reilly, Dominant O'Leary. I mean, you're kind of really setting your child on a path to glory. I like, mean, if that is the, if that is what the social policy is now, then yeah. I'm actually all for we'll it. For that. Because actually what is probably going to happen is that in the top 10 names is going to be fucking Shane. <laughs> anyway, Mary Hannigan, <clears throat> you're a crook packer. Yesterday. I was indeed, and a very fine occasion. You were one of what an amount of people who were in Croke Park. 1,141. Yeah. Epically fantastic. As, uh, I, as I saw it uh, put on Twitter last night, uh, the sixth highest GA attendance of the summer. That's an amazing stat, isn't, isn't it? Isn't incredible? incredible like, yeah. Now, to a certain extent, and we'll, talk, we'll actually talk about the game in, in a minute, to a certain extent, I feel a teensy bit uneasy about this... Fetishizing of right. of the of the numbers at the women's final when you know let's be honest what was it, it was a grand total of two thousand were at the semi final exactly you know so this fetishizing of one day a year uh, and then extrapolating hey isn't the sport in a great it's place after great. It, yeah, you know absolutely yeah, yeah. but it, but that said it's phenomenal uh, yeah. the LGFA they set out mm. about ten years ago uh, to say. Let's let's get a lot of people going to these finals. At least we can start that and work from right, there. Yeah. And my God, they what have achieved success. it. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I was thinking, I think my first women's final would have been, it was that spell when Waterford and Monaghan. Were oh, late 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember my first one, there would have been, was checking, I think about 14,000 yeah. there. Yeah. And like, I remember thinking, of course, you wanted them to have the experience of playing in Crow Park, but it was kind of grim. It yeah. was just awful. Mm-hmm. This voices echoing around the place and it was just terrible. So yesterday, like to see, you know, when the players ran out, they were looking at almost a full Cusack stand. And uh, I know like Martha Byrne, the Dublin back, was talking last week about last year's final that that was almost a terrifying experience. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's kind of something too that these players are so unused Mm. to that kind of experience. Mm. So to go from like 2000 at a semi-final to that. But but it was just a gorgeous day. The atmosphere was amazing. The noise, when you've got like probably 
Maybe like 25,000 of those are young girls. Mm. It clears your sinuses when they roar. <laughs> I tell you that, it really does. There is a there is a Dave Clark 5 element to it, isn't there? Def, def. <laughs> there's one for the actually went yesterday and she was fascinated because she, she, she brought her two young boys. But because the crowd is so young and so skewed female, yeah. she was saying that the not only were the cheers completely different to what you usually hear in Crook yeah. Park but that our own Naveen is sung in a slightly higher key uh. <laughs> it's kind of incredible it's true it's true yeah it's such a different sound yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's oot. but I, it's just great like, I completely get your point you know that you can't say everything's great now mm. everything's sorted you know because there's a crowd of 50,000 but for those players mm. to run out to that kind of sound Absolutely, yeah. and and look, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely not trying to piss on it, because you know, as you say, of of that fifty thousand, you know, what, what's the percentage split gender wise? You know, is it seventy right. percent probably female? At I would it? imagine. And, and like, those are all the players of the future. If you can keep them all involved, and and so so as a starting point, of course, it's a magnificent yeah. thing, you know, and and it is growing and growing every year, and and you know, it is a great thing for the health of 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 women's sport even right. beyond just the sport but women's mm-hmm. sport in general because it is at the vanguard you know it is, it is the, the sort of almost the biggest day in women's sport every year I is the football yeah. final obviously helped by the fact that Dublin are in it and they're playing Cork and, and all that sort of stuff but you know they got to you got to work on what's next That's now nice. you know and, and, and make sure the health of it keeps yeah. going Um there's some Dublin team. They are, they are. And I was thinking, uh, we were talking to three of them afterwards who would all have been on the team that lost those three mm. finals in a row to Cork. And you just kind of think, imagine how they felt after losing that third final in a row. Yeah. I mean, I think most people would probably throw their hat at it mm. at that stage and think it's a bit too much pain. And especially the one in 2014, you know. The, the 10 points the 10 up. 10 points up with exactly. 10 minutes left, exactly. yeah. And like they never, like in all, they've lost to Cork in four finals, three of them by a point, one by two points. So like that's how just miserable the whole Crow Park experience had been for Dublin. And here they were, you know, won it last year against Mayo. And then I think there's no doubt this meant so much to them to finally beat not the Cork team that won those 95 million titles, but two thirds of it, you know, plus some very gifted and young players who've come in. So they're a hell of a team. They really are. And um, I mean, Mick Bowen, I mean, he's done an amazing job with them because um, I think he talked about that when he took over. They had just lost that third final and they were there was just an air of dejection about the whole panel. And here they are. And already they were being asked yesterday, what about a three in a row? And they were like... Mm any chance we could celebrate this one first. <laughs> but um, that's, yeah, there's a notion they can push on now and really kind of mount up the titles. Bowen made an, uh, had an interesting sen- uh, sentiment after the match. He said, um, this was, I have, I have his phrase written down here. He said, for anyone trying to promote women's sport, that was brave, honest, relentless. I think the rules of the game, no deliberate contact, mm. went out the window and rightly so. That strikes me as a, very very strange thing to say to say that I'm glad the referee uh, yeah, yeah. swallowed his whistle I, I, it was funny I, I spoke to Martha Byrne um, before the final and she was saying like one of the changes she like in the game is that you can actually shoulder somebody she said that rules are way too genteel they're like the, the game has moved way ahead of the rules the rules were kind of 
I think formulated at a time when like oh we don't want anyone breaking their nails or whatever mm. you know and so he that's kind of what he was alluding to really that the rules need to catch up with how these players actually play the game because the physicality was notable yesterday that's wasn't it. it and the ref and certainly, just, certainly how his players play the game. well that's, <laughs> that's true <laughs> it will suit it yeah. will certainly suit Dublin if that's the true. if the game is is roughed up roughed up a bit <laughs> yeah like they're yeah, yeah. they're in they're in like unprecedented shape they the really sport. are and the fitness is just I mean those last 10 minutes they were going as hard as they were in the first 10 but yeah like it actually you know I get what it's kind of an odd thing to congratulate the referee for ignoring the rules mm-hmm. but so many of those games can be just so frustrating to watch because the refs are so fussy and the whistle like the Camogie final yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The parallel with the Camogie final is exactly what I'm That's talking. exactly right. what I was wondering because we had this conversation last week yeah, saying that yeah. they've, they're changing the game or they haven't changed the game indeed and they need to update the rules. That's it. Maybe they need to update the rules in the football too and just Definitely. Because it flowed yesterday. They're really, you know, quite a few frees. I mean, Cork or Dublin were hell-bent on Cork not, not scoring goals. <laughs> they gave away plenty of frees. But generally it flowed and you did sense that, that the ref was kind of like, I don't want to be blowing my whistle every 30 seconds here. So it was kind of overlooking things that strictly were, were not not permitted. But In fairness to Cork, Mary, uh, like this is not the Cork team that, that won the 9 out of 10. Like the, mm. the, there are, still, of course, the Zemer Scali and a couple of others, the, the O'Sullivans that are there from, yeah. from that era. But this is a, a very young team yeah. in general. Um, and I actually, the way I saw the game beforehand, I kind of saw Dublin winning it fairly handy. Right. Um, but my God, they like... Whatever about the personnel, there is still a fair that fair bit of sort of cussedness and spirit mm. within this Cork team, which they can only get better. Like, yeah. you know, the idea of these two teams kind of going at it now for the next few years is quite, it's fairly exciting, That's actually. It. And I know, like, Kiro Sullivan, the captain, and the, the manager afterwards were talking about their annoyance in the build-up, mm. about they felt Cork had been disrespected, that there was an assumption that Dublin would roll over them. Sorry, so, there was. <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> what was that beep? Was that you personally beeping, or was that your machine? <laughs> oh no, I'm apologising to the Cork people. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's precisely how I saw it. Now, yeah. I did. I genuinely, I did see yeah. them kind of like Dublin. You know, nobody got within double figures of them in nearly that's two it. years. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and and you could see that there was a real kind of a sting to the Cork comments like yesterday that they were, it was a bit kind of, do you know who we are? We yeah. are Cork, yeah. but you wrote us off. Yeah. But, you know, they lost, but they put it up to Dublin. And I think Galway beat Dublin in the league this year, but like th- that was a kind of a bizarre one. Other than that, Dublin have really strolled through most of their games the last year. But yeah, I mean, there's... As Kira herself said, there's a conveyor belt of, of kind of talent in Cork. They've been in the last four minor mm. finals, won three of them, um, and some really gifted, very young girls. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking. I mean, I know in the men's game there's all the concern about Dublin doing a ten in a row, <laughs> but um, I don't well, I mean, a, an expectation. An expect- I wouldn't say it's a concern, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I think Cork will be putting it up to this Dublin team for for a while yet. Yeah. To be fair to the Dubs now, in fairness to them, they are like they're very tactically aware. Yeah. They're they're great. They've great game management. They uh, their last point or second last point, you know, 
and I always think it's there's something about the countdown clock in, in women's football that yeah. sort of heightens your knowledge of the end of a game and makes the, so they score they scored a point with you know I think it was their last one where right. they kept the ball for like three and a half that minutes. Was a sensational score in fairness. Fantastic stuff. And there's something about the co- the clock counting down yeah, yeah. that it nearly feels different to if it's in the sort of 68th minute of a men's game. Yeah. There's something almost kind of American football yeah. style about it. You the know, drama. chewing the clock bit by bit by bit and That's then right. scoring the winning point. Like so so between that and, you know, the thing that everyone was saying about Cork coming in was they had this brilliant sub mm-hmm. Searsha Noonan. Uh barely got a touch. Didn't get a touch. Yeah. Came on at half time, you know, she's the she's a goal getter. She's like she's I think she Eamon Donahue had a piece last week. She was the fourth highest scorer in the competition sure. and didn't start any game. Yeah, like she was a sub. Amazing. Goal machine like a they just kept her out of the game. That's it. She, I mean, I, I think ten minutes went by nearly before yeah. she even <coughs> got a touch, and even then, yeah. you know, she was surrounded by yeah. three dubs. Like so, yeah. So they're clearly, you know, they're very tactically aware. Of yeah. They also happen to get their goals at the Actually, right time all the way right, through. So. Actually, um, sharpshooter Rowe, as as Shane Ross will call her, <laughs> um, Carla Rowe, she's took her two goals brilliantly, but sure, she took yeah. them both on her weaker side. She's, she talked about that Did after. She? Yeah, I mean, she's kind of laughing at herself a bit, like, where did that come from? Oh, really? Yeah. Because yeah, they were yeah. two terrific finishes. Really well. And, and Mick Bowen said, uh, just before each goal, he was thinking of taking her off because he felt <laughs> like she wasn't really contributing enough. <laughs> then he said, well, we decided to leave her on then. You know, and she's, she might get two at the swinger. Might, well, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> but like she was the <clears throat> player who got that um, that twenty sixteen the point that wasn't yes, and so like Dublin lost by a point that day. She did the one score when they didn't the one when they didn't have Hawkeye at the That's at the women's it. final that year. Yeah. And the umpires you know, called Missed it wide. It. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean she was like extra heartbroken that day because of that. So it was a hell of a contrast for her. I mean. When she came in to us afterwards, I've never seen a smile like it. You know, she was just in a in another world. It was it was something. But yeah, I mean, they're considering what that team went through and just the utter heartache of them. You know that they've now reached this point. Oh yeah, and it's, especially you know you're thinking of people like Sinead Hearn, Siobhan McGrath. You know, okay, the they have they have three All Irelands now, that's it, uh, yeah. but. They lost four finals, That's five it. finals, yeah. all those all those years. Yeah. Like for them to to come through and Sinead, like Sinead Hearn is still yeah. as dangerous a forward as as there is in the game. Like she's yeah. been for Dublin for fifteen yeah. years That's now. It. You know, she played in the twenty ten final. Yeah, the, um, but she came on in the two thousand and three final as a fifteen right. year old. You know, she's around that long. You know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Mary, thank you so much uh, for that, and uh, we'll certainly have you back. I'm I'm sure Shane Ross will <laughs> will presage your. Return. Yeah, a weekly section. <laughs> yes, I, 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 and, and, I, and I know that this is a burden on you to come in and do this. So, uh, so hopefully Shane keeps out of the news, so we it's don't have to get dominant Hanno. I'll, I'll settle for that. <laughs> dominant Hanno, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. <laughs> it is a year to the Rugby World Cup battle. Yes, in Japan. In Japan, Gavin Cummins. He's here to talk to us about it. Morning. Well, not really about it. He's here to talk to us about the weekend. Yeah, there was two thrillers in the rugby championship over the weekend. Um, Argentina beat Australia and by 23 points to 19 and South Africa beat New Zealand 36 to 34. And both games were, to say they were in the balance in the last few minutes would be an understatement. And yeah, normally, Gav, these games 
are on like a, a Saturday morning and they my eyes not not completely gloss over but like I wouldn't be glued to them but uh, man alive that was some sport on Saturday it's gotten really predictable so it was a huge yeah. shot in the arm for rugby as well because yeah. everyone was thinking um, the All Blacks are too good and there's no team Ireland are the second best clearly the second best team in the world which in a general global thing is not good for rugby no. <laughs> Um but what everyone feared has happened. Uh, all I could think of was we're screwed. Rassi Erasmus has got the string box back in order. Right. Um, one of them is playing Ireland. All Blacks are South Africa are playing Ireland in a World Cup quarterfinal. That's a fact. And I don't know which one I want. No, no, I still want the spring box. But mm. um, Jackson Yebar has got their defence in order. Job one. And editor's going to get better. There's, they've they're picked the best team. It doesn't matter what club you play for whether you're in Japan, whatever, they found all the best players, they've got the best out half, best scrum half, after Clerk is back at nine, he was phenomenal. They found a bigger second row than even Etzebet called Snyman, who came on and like just rattled the bones of these big Kiwis. And the, another problem is hubris, is, was what caught the All Blacks in the end. Um, they really did feel like they were challenging the gods and they were caught or caught out. They feel like they're just so good they don't need to consider drop goals. I, I, I mean, I, okay. They I won't get caught I again. They won't know. do this again. Though. That's the problem. Well, although didn't everybody say that after the 2007 World Cup against France where they pounded away and pounded away and pounded away and nobody stepped back to kick a drop goal. Like, like Carter was off injured that day. Uh, but come on. Like, yeah. oh, they, you're, you're correct. But what did, how did they win the 2015 World Cup? Yes. In the semi-final against South Africa, Dan Carter stepped back, dropped goal. In the final, when the Australians were putting the heat back on them, Dan Carter snapped. He didn't even go into a pocket. It was on the gain line. He snapped the drop goal. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is the commentators, Grant Nesbitt and the boys were here going, talking about Bowden Barrett. They're laughing, basically going, he's not going to do this. Uh, he's, never, he's never kicked one. And, they were la- and Damien McKenzie, they had two, they had two world-class out-halves on the pitch. But they were... Gavin. They had a scrum under the posts. Oh, it was an absolute. You could. You or I. It. I could get it. You yeah. or I could yeah. have scored a drop goal. For yeah, them. it was. It was. It was there. It was just overconfidence. They looked. Jackson Yebar, I'm giving him credit for this. The monster, the guy who sort out the monster defense. Yeah, it's good. Of, good of us to sort out South African rugby by giving these two guys a year uh, developing themselves. They should have been, before they went back to. They never should have come to Munster in the first place. It was the <laughs> political wrangle he's back in South Africa was the reason why they weren't actual in the positions they're in now already. But what he did was the picture was uh, effectively four on two because the the last uh, South African defender had to keep an eye on a Kieran Reid pick. Um, so it was four on two and it was real kind of poker stuff Jackson Yebar showing the hand to the All Blacks who can't resist they're going four on two we don't need to scoop the ball over to win the game we'll score a try because we're the All Blacks and they got it wrong the scrums were locked in so it became four on three and the defence shot up and it was excellent but they they had two more chances to do it they also turned down loads of shots of goals and and also also Barrett hit both posts with uh, with kicks he kicked two he's the best player in the world okay at the moment he's form wise what he does with the ball what he did for his to put his brother away for the try but he kicked two from six and you can't win a World Cup you can't do it it's been proven you have to be able to kick drop goals you have to be able to kick your goals and they have a problem which they are, they're not going to solve because they're not going to remove him from the jersey and they're going to keep throwing in Damien McKenzie who doesn't think like kick for space either. Mm-hmm. So they're going to try and win it the way they win it. But now everyone knows that like an Ireland or an All Blacks can figure them out as the Lions did um, mm. in the second test, you know. So it was very interesting but the, the worst thing is for Ireland is what the All Blacks or what the Springboks have done already. 
And if you looked at Rassi Erasmus in the coach's box, it was all, he, he, he never stops talking. It looks like he's talking to the people around him, but he's talking into his mic to Jacques Niebar, who's got his medical bib because he's a qualified physio down on the touchline. That's how they work. So he's chatting away. But after the Marks try, when the, the Springboks line-out wall like went through the All Blacks one, which I haven't seen. I, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen this happen. Maybe the Lions did a little bit, but they literally fractured the All Blacks defensive mall. And I thought uh, Rassi Raz was going to punch the glass in front of him. <laughs> uh, and, he, he, and then later on, he, he screamed shouting like a fan on five or six occasions, which is just not what Razi Erasmus does. And he was like roaring Bokke at one stage. Yeah, yeah, real macho, <laughs> real. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, but like, so even he was happy that they were getting these opportunities. But on so many levels, they've become a, a good team. Uh, all, it doesn't, they pick, they're picking all the best players. Razi Erasmus, last week after losing to Argentina and Australia, they were saying, uh, he said, I might be out of a job soon, you know, and he teed that up and he said, this is the game we've been going for. He teed everything up, he put everything on the line and, it was, and this happens in South Africa. One of the, the trade unionists, leading trade unionists, basically accused him of being a racist because he takes off white players before he takes off coloured players, which is just, it makes no sense. He's been picking the best players. He's, he made Khaleesi the captain. There's a, there's, a load of, there's a load of leaders in the team, by the way. But he made, that, he made Khaleesi the captain and he picks... He just he's picking the best players in the best positions now. He's bringing guys back from Japan, England, France, everywhere. He's got he knows where they are, and this is the team that Ireland are going to have to beat to get to a World Cup semi final. Because this was the thing that that sort of struck me watching it was okay. Uh, Barrett kicks two out of six. They butcher a couple of try chances at the end. They don't step back and take their drop goal. So like all the things you need to do to win a game, just the boring nuts and bolts of winning a game the All Blacks for once didn't do it so you can say that the box you know it was maybe a fortunate win but the whole point is to be in that position Yeah, the their development to get to that position is is, as you say worrying a year out yeah also Nigel Owen screwed him a bit has to be said um, he needs to shut up and ref sometimes he still is probably top two three refs in the world but like he's like on the mic telling Elton Jantes which way you're restarting a game like in the 78 minute you know, and making him tell him you're going to the right doesn't have to tell him that and the advantages that he was given uh, the All Blacks was laughable to be honest but that's the way he sometimes refs matches he's actually still positionally very good you've got to give him credit but um, no the, the box they actually wasn't the best All Blacks team by the way you know that they should have good who at 13 Retallick's injured Jordy Barrett doesn't look like it's going to work at 15 although he might become the place kicker but um, All Blacks or Springboks wise I keep coming back to it like these guys you're going to get to know them all they're props Kitchoff uh, they're number 8 Warren Whiteley um, you're going to get to know these guys very well in the next year or two these are some of the best players in the world and they've just been so badly coached for the last four years at least four years <laughs> that you haven't seen them coming through and in every position they have depth strength and it's 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 not looking good because we, and we now have to figure out how to beat a team who play quite similar as in they'll they'll meet us right the way we meet teams on the gain line and they'll probably be able to outthink us as well that's a worry Gavin Australia after their loss I, I saw that they're now at their lowest ever world ranking now admittedly that's only seventh but is Michael Check under pressure there yeah they might they might make a mistake and get rid of him the players you think are, it would be a mistake to get rid of him yeah, yeah, it would be a mistake to get rid of Checker because can you name anyone? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that they can bring in instead. Australian rugby beneath the surface is in a lot of a lot of trouble. They don't have that good a team. They've got probably Falau, Pocock, two of the best players in the world. Get on the World Fifteen every day of the week. The two of them. Um, 
the right half probably have loads of problems without half everything like that um, no yeah the, the knives are out for Cheka he really didn't they really needed to win this game just because their performances against the All Blacks were good but uh, they were just nowhere near they couldn't get around to coming close to beating them um, they needed to beat this Argentinian team and they had this Argentinian team beaten they butchered a late chance to win it didn't well, they Falau scored one of the great tries that we'll ever see but then late in the game and again I go back to a bit of hubris uh, y- you've got a two on one it's done the game is over it's in injury time you draw and pass and he was like Im- the way it looked to me was he was like no I'll step into the two covering flanker and Argentinian lock I'll take their contact free my arms and then put him in because I'm Israel Falau and he got absolutely emptied the RG lock just buried him. It was great. Absolutely stuff. buried him. Yeah. And like to, to the extent where like uh game is over and the Ar- Argentinian lock is still lying on the ground. <laughs> like he yeah. put that much into the tackle. And you know yourself when you see uh the, the the wallaby number six getting in a fight with a fan in the crowd afterwards. Things are what good. happened there, right? So he said that uh, that guy, uh, he'd come through a tough. His stepfather died that week, and his family were there at the game, and there was a lot of emotion, and they just lost. And it was this Wallaby fan was coming down through the crowd and giving it to everybody, and gave it to him. And supposedly he bumped into his like small little st- his sister. Now you just no footage of that. What there is footage of is your man mounting to him and him grabbing him. Dragging him right in, wow. and then like a bunch of Wallaby players going, "Oh Lord, he's gonna be, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna end this guy," and coming across him and stopping him, and check in the press conference turned it into a, yeah, he touched his sister, so it was completely fine, and it turned flipped it around and said it was and he, maybe he probably did like you know, you know but he, he turned it into a, a us against them, and it looks like he's not gonna play again, so um, yeah, check it turned it into a big um, us against them thing, but uh, they, he's very good at doing that. Uh, but on a bigger picture thing, Cheka, they, they just need to win a game <laughs> really soon. Uh, and uh, incidentally, Argentina are just sneaking along here. They've beaten, I was just going to say, beaten yeah. the box. Yeah. Uh, they, gave, they gave the All Blacks a good game. They've beaten Australia. And uh, so they have some really kind of fizzy backs. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like like really speedy, really f- clever running, all that kind of stuff. They've got a, uh, they've got, they're miles behind. They've only got one professional team, but they've got most of their players playing for it, the Jaguars in Super Rugby. And then they've got the Pumas. Like, it's not a sustainable thing as a professional entity to keep going with one, basically two teams. Might get them through the next year, though. Uh, yeah, they always show up at World Cups anyway, and they've got the players. But, um, yeah, it's it's they shouldn't have won this game. They They, they were... Blessed to win to beat the Wallabies. Check is in, check is in a bit of trouble, but I, I think he'll. I think if they they don't do anything, they just re- relax and go. Look, he's our guy. We're a year out, but there's is, plenty of time to lose his job still. Is like, Beal going to be the out half? No, they don't know who's going to be out half. That's the problem. Yeah, they don't have because he doesn't look it. Um, Tamua was there on on yeah. on the weekend. Um, this is the thing, like. Can you name me again? I'm struggling to name a scrum half after Genia. You know yeah, that's know, yeah. that's of quality. Well, the Springboks, uh, the difference is they can go and get all their. They can go deep, deep, deep into Europe and France and find scrum yeah. halves, out halves, props, and bring them back. You know, uh, Australia don't have the players. Their sport, the sport rugby union, is in serious trouble. Like it's a, it's a real in depth study that needs to be done with how much trouble they're actually in. Matt Williams has written about it loads of times about how. It's it's stuck in the private schools thing that we used and to be And it's in. so far down the pecking order. Way, way Australia. down. The, and it's 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 dropped a few pegs. There's 15,000 at the game. That's pretty bad. <laughs> the test match in Australia. <laughs> yeah. like, it's not like New Zealand people don't show up for matches in South Africa. But in Australia people go to games. So people aren't following the Wallabies at the moment. Mm. Problems. Problems, problems. Well, 
the year to the World Cup. We'll be talking about these teams plenty of time between now and then. Thanks a million, Gavin. Any time. South Africa looking to secure the ball. Billy LaRue kicks it into touch. It's an absolute epic victory for South Africa. The first time they've ever won at the West Pack Stadium. The Champions League is back, Pat. It's actually one of the rare things this season. Oftentimes, though, you can look at the group stages and you can think, well, <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, this isn't very sexy. See in February. Yeah, but this year... Spurs group in particular is fascinating. Barcelona, PSV, Inter and Spurs. Mm. Like That's a pretty sexy group as things go. And then Liverpool are in with PSG, Napoli and Red Star Belgrade. Now, Red Star Belgrade is just a great name yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, Admittedly yeah. not a great team at the moment. But like PSG and, and Napoli are fine teams. And, you know, these groups will all have something about them. They're Emmett, not foregone conclusions. Emmett Malone is in with us. How are you doing, Emmett? How you going? You right? Looking forward to the Champions League? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's good. But um, it's funny, I'm kind of conflicted here because uh, as somebody who spends a lot of their time covering the League of Ireland and talking about, you know, whether mm. a, an Irish club um, can make it to the group stages, which is obviously a massive ambition for, for the likes of Dundalk and Cork City here. And, and uh, it doesn't get any easier. And they've changed the format and, uh, and it's, it's more difficult than ever because they want to bring in t- more teams in the big leagues. And so that should, on the face of it, make the, the group stages more competitive. Um, but it's sad. Like, you know, I mean, obviously, if, if the equivalent teams from, you know, quote unquote, lesser leagues course, around, yeah. the, uh, around the continent are making it in, you know, it's great for people from those countries. But, you know, it's probably not so great for, uh, for the people from, from the, the neutrals. Mm-hmm. And so in the face of this this year, you know, should be should be stronger but I'm not so sure it is I'm not I'm not so sure like uh, looking at the betting you know what you've got 12 13 teams or odds on to make the group the, the knockout stages right. so mm. so the bookies have it that there's three or four places up for grabs here and and, and I don't think you'd argue too, too much with that you you watched Spurs and Liverpool in the weekend yeah yeah I was shocked by uh, everybody has been praised in Liverpool and Liverpool were quite good but they definitely weren't superb. I thought Spurs were um, really poor. And I was wondering if it, if it matters that Spurs started the team. Hugo Lloris was missing because of his drink-driving escapades. Oh, actually, sorry, he was, miss- he was out because he was injured. Mm. Yeah. But had he played, which you would have expected, eight of that starting team would have played as many games during the World Cup as possible. And you did wonder, or being involved with a team yeah. that played as many games as possible, and you did wonder if that was responsible for them. They looked just dead on the, their feet. Liverpool just bullied them, ran all over them. And, like. yet, and yet both Liverpool goals, you know, involved really poor defending. I mean, if, if Hugo Lars has played for a start, you don't, you, you really fancy, you know, Liverpool not to have scored the first goal, uh, which was which was a, a complete mess in loads of ways, but ultimately boiled down to um, a, a very poor piece of goalkeeping. Um, I had to laugh afterwards. You see when Aldum interviewed afterwards, he said uh, we actually made a ball to that corner because himself and Gomez both found themselves free at the back post which wasn't the plan at all no, really, yeah <laughs> yeah not as big a balls as uh, Spurs as, as Vorm did yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah look I, I mean there might be that weariness Um there's, there's all sorts of questions being asked I think about Spurs and you know you, you ask whether maybe you know they, they on the one hand um, they've obviously been happy. They've looked at the group they had, been happy to say it's a young group. You know, it's shown a lot of promise. It's gelling well. It's progressing, and uh, and they stuck with it. And they, you know, was much remarked upon. I don't. I do some. Were they the first team in Premier League history or something like that not to bring in a single um, significant? There was player? some stat along those lines. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah that so, was it. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, which is an amazing statement. Okay, they did try to uh, they did try to buy um, a couple of people, but they didn't pursue it. So, you know, they clearly had the money to 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 uh, to to bring in people if they wanted to. But now you look at it and think, well, maybe maybe they needed a bit more, you know, a bit, bit, bit freshening else, up, a bit apart, of more competition, yeah. or you know. Um, and, and even, but even apart from anything else, you leave yourself such such a hostage to fortune there. Because yeah. if you do that and you start well, you know, everybody yeah. gives you, sure. you know, cuts some slack. Yeah. But but they've started badly and this is the first thing that people reach for. Yeah, and I mean, they haven't started so badly. I mean, you know, they've nine points out of five games, which isn't disastrous. It's, it's a, 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 you know, it's a, a first time in over 100 years that two clubs in the in the division have, have won their first five games. So it's, that's that's kind of, you know, so they've lost, they've lost ground on two Champions League rivals. You're still probably thinking City are going to win the league. Uh, I'm sure Liverpool fans and Chelsea fans will be hopeful that the start that they're, they've made will give them a, a, a basis for a strong challenge. But Spurs are, you know, would have had kind of faint, you know, title ambitions themselves. But certainly, they, 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 what they want is to be back in the top four, to be in the Champions League again. And they've lost ground on on, on a couple of teams that that they would have hoped to have been probably ahead of at this stage or or right up there with six points is is going to take a bit of making up along the way. So it's not it's 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 not great. And uh, and certainly the the performance the other day w- was was very poor. I mean, uh, Jurgen Klopp had gone into the game talking about uh, Liverpool needing to improve their record away to top six rivals, and um and and it was really gifted to them there. You know, three points. Um, Three points really handed to them on a plate by by a poor performance. So remarkable, Harry Kane statistic. Like Harry Kane back in March, her damaged ankle ligaments against Bournemouth was meant to be out for six weeks. Was back in three, and basically since then hasn't been the same player. Like even after coming, he, I know he was sure. top scorer in the World Cup. It yeah. seems like a ridiculous thing to say, but on Saturday he touched the ball twenty two times in the entire match, three of which were to take a kick off. Like right. that's staggering for a player who yeah. is you know, one of the best strikers in the world yeah, yeah, yeah. on on top form anyway. Sure. But it just it just seemed to show how they just have fallen off a cliff and maybe it's gonna come back, but it's not it's not looking good for, for Harry Kane at the moment. He does look like somebody who needs a break. Yeah, I, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, you know, there is famously this thing that this is the first season that he's scored in, in August. So, mm. you know, in one way, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's done better this season than in previous years. You know, usually we're at this stage of the season and he's only starting to score. So so it swings in roundabouts with him. I mean, they've changed the formation slightly. Uh, they've brought in more. There's the, You know, it's, it's, it's a slightly, for you know, we've talked about the fact they didn't really bring in people, but they have they have kind of shaken it up a little bit and, uh, and it's going to take time to settle. They need Ericsson to be firing all cylinders. They need their defence to be playing better and they need Loris in goal uh, because he's been very good for them over the last few and years. Son is back now, of course. Uh, though, yeah, and Son is back. I think Son was back at the weekend, wasn't he? He, did. he, he was, yeah. They could yeah, have brought yeah. him back in. They could have yeah. started him and they didn't. Um, but, um, you know, look, they will get better. They're a team that will get better. But as I say, I, I, I think it's, you know, they, they will look at the table now and, and be slightly rueful uh, about dropping those points at the weekend. Certainly to Liverpool. To lose at home to Liverpool yeah. is, is, is a poor result for them. What do you make of Liverpool now? Do they look any different to last year? Um, I think I think it's hard to tell. I think they 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 they've certainly they you know you've got to be thrilled with the, if you're a Liverpool fan with the start they've made. They have taken up picked up much where they had left off. Um, they look, I think, for me, slightly stronger in defence mm-hmm. and and slightly stronger in midfield. And and, they, and and there was never an issue with their midfield or with their attack rather. So. Uh, they're, they're, I think they're in a pretty good place. I mean, Kaita looks looks pretty impressive. Um, um, and 
you would have to say that they're they're serious title contenders at this stage, which I don't, I didn't think they were last year. You know, so um, the Champions League thing was a remarkable achievement, but it was helped as well by, um, I mean, Roma in the semi final yeah. was was you know get Roma really kind of ran out of steam at that stage. I think he, and he, for unlikely they were yeah. unlikely semi final and for six you know? and for six weeks Salah being the best player in the world. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just going through one of those golden spells where absolutely everything absolutely went for him. yeah. It was yeah. funny watching him the other day, Pat. You know. Two or three times uh, as the game wore on, you know, we get the ball in that sort of outside right position, cut back in on the left, and just went nowhere each time. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, for for me, Salah isn't one of the best players in the world. No, I'm saying, but yeah, just no, for, no, that, for that, that no, I appreciate period, that is what yeah, you said. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, suddenly he was in contention for all the mm. all the awards. I, 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 very unfortunate then to get injured in the Champions League mm. and not be at his best in a poor side, you know, in the World Cup. So he didn't make much of an impact on that at all, uh, which was through no fault of his own. Um, but I do wonder whether he will, over over a period of this year and going, you know, next year, really produce anything like that for Liverpool. Mm. But they, but but even if he settles back into something less extraordinary. Um, they have a, a remarkable front line, you yeah. know. I mean, I think that's the greater gift with Liverpool is that, you know, Salah was really, really thoroughly out on his own last year. But if he settles into being one of the three with Firmino and Mane or whatever, I mean, they, they, they will still score an awful lot of goals. They will cause other teams huge problems and they will unnerve teams. They will stop. They will stop opponents playing the way those opponents want to play. They will dictate the nature of the game because of the speed at which they break, the movement and and the threat they they pose from both wide on both places and through the through the middle. And that, you know, that that's a very difficult thing, particularly for lesser teams to deal with. Mm. But even the best teams, you know, and and that that, that will take them a long way. I do think that Salah is as strange as it sounds because he's still scoring regularly this season. That he does look like somebody who's slightly waiting to recover the confidence of last season after the injury and after the awful World Cup that he had with Egypt not on the pitch necessarily but off sure, the pitch yeah. that he had but I get the impression that when that confidence does come back to him that what the glorious thing about him is that everybody's still scared of him and they're playing 20 yards deeper that is true yeah. because they're, they're terrified mm. to go too far mm. forward and if Liverpool get one then they do go forward and they yeah. need this space that Mane and him are just going into and part of that that's what what is helping Liverpool is his fear factor on the pitch Paris Saint-Germain they have uh, tomorrow night to start their their Champions League campaign what do you make of them Emmett? Well I mean at this stage of the tournament I mean you, you'd expect the two of them I think to go through, um, and uh, and for that, you know, I I don't know whether I mean Napoli Napoli have been uh, there. I think Napoli were second seeds in that group, so I mean ostensibly they're the, they're they're the team who are expected to go through. But I, w- I would expect PSG and Liverpool to go through. I mean PSG, it's clear that the the owners there, like you know Manchester City want to win the, the, the Champions League and they've invested very heavily in it but but they've come up short so far and I think this is a, a, a kind of will be a, a Italian group for them we'll see whether against Napoli and Liverpool they, they, mm. they kind of have, have what it takes to, to go all the way I mean on, on the face of it they have, they have you know a huge array of talent but I think they are handicapped by playing in a league where there is really no competition and, um, and they, they, they tend to kind of you know, dominate the 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 French league. Monaco have slipped back 
considerably since making the uh, final a couple of years ago. Their best players have been picked off. You know, they've sold them at huge profits. Uh, it's been an, an incredible thing, you know, for them. Um, some of those players haven't done as well at other clubs and uh, after commanding enormous fees. Uh, so it says a lot about their recruitment and their management uh, at Monaco, but they haven't been able to compete um, in the uh, in in the French league so far, and I think that's a problem week in week out for for PSG. They they, they really uh, there, there isn't the depth of, of competition there. Be interesting, Maliki, to see Neymar back in the pitch. It's actually, PSG played on Friday night and they rested Neymar and Mbappe and won four nil to maintain their hundred percent record at yeah. the top of the league. It says a lot. But, but the Neymar situation is really kind of unsatisfactory, isn't mm. it? I mean, he doesn't seem committed to the club. Uh, I mean, Mbappe will be a... He's the star of the Yeah, club, he will be hugely that, exciting, yeah. you know. Um, I'd say Neymar loves that. But, uh, <laughs> but Neymar, you know, going home towards the end of last season for a bit and missing games. And I mean, there's this constant sense that he, that he wants to be, you know, he, he's the, the big fish in a bigger pond. And um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it was a huge statement, um, the, the money they paid for him. Um, and it was clearly with, with the intention of, of making more of an impact in the Champions League. But I'm still not sure that he's, he's the difference. And I'm not sure that it's it's actually been a, a, a good good investment for them. I wonder where he's at now, especially after the World Cup. Did you see them? They were playing. Was he? He was playing for Brazil against the States last week. Did you see the the clip of you know DeAndre Edlin, the uh, yeah. Newcastle right back, uh, tackled him at one stage and Neymar went over as as, sure. as Neymar does, and the ref came walking over to book Yedlin and Yedlin burst out laughing and said to the referee, and you could see him saying it. He said, "You saw the World Cup, right? You, <laughs> like you did see that you you know you know what I'm up against here, kind of thing." And the referee laughed. So, like, you know, this sort of idea that he... I wonder, is he just a figure of fun? Not just a figure of fun. That's the wrong way to, to characterise one of, the, one of the great players. But, like, is there a knock-on of that over over what the World Cup became for him? It'll be interesting to watch that play out as the year goes on. Yeah, I think one of the knock-ons was, like, you know, VAR was... You know, Neymar is one of the players that VAR will have an effect on. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, there was that, that that remarkable penalty incident. I can't remember who it was against. Now I remember seeing it. I was watching it in a hotel room somewhere in in, in Russia, and um, and where where he he gets the penalty, and then it's overruled, and and you and you're cheering for Vaughan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, You know, it was a terrible, <laughs> terrible decision initially to give him the penalty. Um, and he is one of those the, the players who will be affected by that. Um, it's uh, look. I mean, it's it's not that though. On the pitch, uh, he does these things. He dives. He you know, and that's. Like God Almighty, at the at the at the the risk of sounding like a seventy five year old here, yes. it's part of the, of of, of the yeah. modern game, and that's you know we need and, not grab our pearls that much. Yeah, course, and yes. there are and he wins a lot of free kicks and a lot of penalties, and and I don't think his employers would be complaining too much about mm. that. I think it's the wider level of commitment he causes disruption in the team, um, disharmony, and there is a clear lack of commitment to the cause. Mm. Um, um, you know, and and I think that is I think that's the problem, and I I really think you know if you have Neymar. Committed the way Ronaldo is when he's there, you know. Ronaldo absolutely will up sticks and move as he has done. Mm. But my God, when he's in the team, you know, you know he wants to win. If only because it it, it, it reflects for, for the brand. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 Messi too at Barcelona. Um, and you just don't get that sense with Neymar. Sure. Um, uh, not for the last year at Barcelona. Not now ever at PSG. And um, and uh, you know, you know, this the constant uh, speculation linking him with uh, a move back to Spain and. 
and and I just you know I I think PSG to make that breakthrough. The, you know Mbappe, I think will be a, a, a huge. Um, uh, boost for them, but uh, oh, sorry, yeah, well he has been, but um, I think he will be a big star for them. I think he's the sort of player they cannot lose on. You know, I mean he, he, the way the market is going, they will get several good years out of him, and if he moves, they'll they'll get their money back and, and more perhaps. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, I'm not convinced by Neymar at all, and I think it is that just you know I don't doubt that he will score goals in these in these Champions League group stages, and um, but but beyond that, I, I just think that in terms of a final piece in the jigsaw. Uh, I think they're going to still come up short. Well, hopefully they, uh, the the group stages work out the way we think about Pat. More, yeah. more excited. And plus, it's the first year of them starting two games a night. As in, there's, there's going to be one at six and one at eight. Yeah. Uh, every Tuesday and Wednesday night now for... Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited <laughs> too. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, Emmett. Uh, thank you to Gavin, who was in earlier talking about rugby, and Mary, who was in laughing at Shane Ross and talking about the women's football. And uh, we will see everybody again next week. Bye.